the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. And a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. It is 10 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this free-for-all Friday. And I'm not in the mood to uh, to cheer and chant free-for-all right now, so I hope you'll understand. Mr. Scream, forgive me. It is the 12th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2023, and the first morning of our non-sovereign nation. We surrendered our sovereignty. We surrendered our sovereignty at midnight last night when Joe Biden surrendered. He surrendered our sovereignty by surrendering our border. You cannot have a nation without having a border. You cannot have a nation without the rest of the world recognizing your sovereign territory and knowing they cannot just come across into your sovereign territory any time they wish for any reason to be set free and loose in your country to do whatever, whenever you wish. You cannot have a sovereign nation without that being respected. That being respected is recognition of the border. And last night, not that it hasn't been already an extraordinary dereliction of responsibility, dereliction of duty and an abdication of responsibility by the Biden administration for two and a half years of the worst immigration we have ever seen 
in terms of illegal immigration already, but now with the end of the Trump era, Title 42, last night at midnight. Now it's a it's an entirely new game. Now it's an entirely new nation, if we can still call it a nation. President Biden let Title 42 end this week. He's already allowed more than 5 million illegal border entries on his watch. Border towns are bracing for historic surge. Now, the president is taking away one of the few tools we have left to remove illegal immigrants quickly. It's going to be chaotic for a while. This means we'll see a surge of new illegal immigration and a flood of deadly drugs like fentanyl. That's not just for border states. That's for every state. Arkansas is only a one-day journey from the border. That's why we're taking measures to protect ourselves. I've already signed legislation to crack down on drug dealers and get fentanyl off our streets. Our law enforcement will do everything they can to fight the cartels and help Border Patrol deport illegals quickly. But Arkansas can't do this alone. President Biden must step up and stop listening to the radical left and actually do something about illegal immigration. That message, obviously, from Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And that message from Sarah Huckabee Sanders was completely ignored by President Joe Biden, as is every message that calls for him to do his duty and to protect and secure the border for the citizens of the United States of America. Roger and I are both down here in Brownsville, Texas. We're on the southern border, and there is a full-on invasion that is unfolding. We've seen for two and a half years the worst illegal immigration in history, six and a half million people crossing illegally. And I'll tell you, as we stand here tonight, hours away from Title 42 expiring, there are 22,000 illegal immigrants camped just south of the Rio Grande preparing to cross over. Every day, this community and the entire southern border is being swamped. It's being overwhelmed. Roger and I met with Border Patrol agents tonight. We met with the chief. We met with the head of the Border Patrol Union. They told us that here, just just in Brownsville, that they are seeing roughly 100 Chinese nationals a day crossing illegally into this country, that they've seen in less than a month 35,000 Venezuelans cross illegally. This is not just Mexican migrant farm workers wanting to come north to work the fields for a while. That's what many people seem to believe when they say, what's the problem? These are just hungry people coming from Mexico trying to make a better life for themselves. This is not that. It is not anywhere close to that. This is the world assembling at our southern border, using Mexico as a conduit to get into this country. Now, I'll set aside for a moment a very obvious question, which is why would so many people who uh, uh, from around the world who are ethnic minorities want to come to this country? We'll, we'll set that aside for a minute. Remember, this nation is horrifically and irredeemably racist against people who are black or brown. So why all of these hundreds, well, let's say it, it's millions. It's already been five million in the last two and a half years alone. Millions of black and brown people want to come to a country that oppresses and treats black and brown people so poorly. I guess I'll never understand that. But we'll set that aside for the moment. The left 
hears us talking in the terms that Senator Cruz just did, talking in the terms that Sarah Huckabee Sanders just did, talking in the terms that the House Republicans uh, have used, talking in the terms that I'm using right now, and they say, what are you guys doing about it if it's such a big problem? You haven't done anything. Okay. House Republicans did something yesterday when they passed border security measures an enormous bill, an enormous bill, a huge bill, a very important bill. They passed a bill yesterday that would do exactly what I just declared isn't being done under the Biden administration. It literally reinforces our sovereignty by reinforcing our border. H.R. 2 is known as the Secure the Border Act. And it was passed yesterday, 219 to 213. That's right, 213 Democrats yesterday voted against securing the border at a time when Title 42 was ending. I want you to ponder that. Thousands and thousands just just literally chest to back and shoulder to shoulder waiting to burst through into this country using up its resources, and bringing with them, Lord only knows how much, untold amounts of crime by way of drug cartels, drug mules, gang members, human traffickers, gun smugglers, and so much more. H.R. 2 would have required Biden and his administration to restart construction of the border wall. I'm going to have more on that in a moment. The bill, H.R. 2, that was passed yesterday would use new technology at our southern and our northern borders to stop this massive invasion. H.R. 2 would provide funding to hire more Border Patrol agents and pay them bonuses. Because that's not a job a lot of people are flocking to right now for obvious reasons. H.R. 2 would increase DHS, that's Homeland Security Transparency, so Americans know how many illegal immigrants are unlawfully entering this country. H.R. 2 would make existing laws stronger to protect unaccompanied children from trafficking and abuse. H.R. 2 would discontinue catch and release of illegal immigrants. H.R. 2 would end the president's abuse of executive immigration authority. And H.R. 2 would improve the asylum process and make it more efficient. So when the left says, what have you guys done? What are you doing about it? You're not doing anything. Karine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, you know, the one that's black and gay. Did you know she was black and gay? They wanted you to know she was black and gay. The black and gay press secretary, the diversity hire, Karine Jean-Pierre, literally told a press pool at a briefing two days ago that the Republicans in Congress are literally doing nothing about the problem. She said this as they were indeed introducing and getting ready to pass this bill, which sounds like a whole lot of something. She declared that they're literally doing nothing. She used the word literally. People don't know what the word literally means. Uh, you you, you got to understand, that's as specific as it gets. Not generalities, but literally. So they say we're not doing anything, we did something, and they said no. And the White House, what did the White House say? The White House says it's dead on arrival. 
building a wall, hiring more border security, reforming the asylum process, ending catch and release, all of the things that would literally solve the problem at the border, he said is dead on arrival. I don't know about you, but I don't think you need an advanced degree to understand that that means Joe Biden wants the invasion to continue. When he says he will veto the invasion and wa- or excuse me the legislation and allow the invasion, and when asked why he would oppose this, why this very important and very impressive GOP bill would be vetoed if it somehow got its way through the Senate, the White House detailed its extensive criticisms of the bill, claiming it would quote cut off nearly all access to humanitarian protections in ways that are inconsistent with our nation's values and international obligations. I'm going to repeat that part of the line. Inconsistent with our nation's values and international obligations. My friends, why did I repeat that? I repeated that to underscore the reality that we have globalists in charge of the United States. This is the most stark difference between an America first policy or platform and an America last policy or platform. And we've seen them play out back to back. When we were America first, we brought the out of control border under control. We built barriers We put in place policies like remain in Mexico that worked, that were efficient. While they wanted to hear their, have their asylum claims heard, fine. You can wait to have that day in court and you can wait down there on the other side of the border. You haven't been approved yet. That's what America first looked like because the number one responsibility of the President of the United States and of anybody in the federal government must be to protect the homeland, to protect the rights and the interests of the American citizens. That's not only an America first policy as put in place by Donald Trump. That is an American historical foundational principle. We look out for America first. In the same way, every other country looks out for themselves first. Why are we the only country that is expected to erase our borders? Why are we the only country that's expected to put the needs of the international community above the interests of the American community? Why do the left think that it's it's our obligation to solve the rest of the world's problems by allowing them to export those problems into our country. How can that possibly be justified? The White House went on to say, in explaining their planned veto, planned veto of that potential legislation getting to the White House, to the president's desk, quote, The Biden-Harris administration's approach to border management, I I could just stop right there and say this is proof that they want the invasion to happen and continue. It's not border security. They call it border management. Why? Because what they want is a manageable influx of millions of could-be, would-be future Democrat voters to come into this country to literally change the voting electorate. 
They want to manage the influx, not repel the invasion. The Biden-Harris administration's approach to border management is grounded in this strategy, expanding legal pathways while increasing consequences for illegal pathways, which helps maintain self, maintain safe, orderly, and humane border processing. H.R. 2 does nothing to address the root causes of migration, reduces humanitarian protections, and restricts lawful pathways, which are critical alternatives to unlawful entry, end quote. Now, that is a large enough pant load that I probably can't explain it all at this moment because we've got a timeout coming here. But we'll just hit the first part. H.R. 2 does nothing to address the root causes of migration. I'm asking you, as an American citizen, a very simple question. Do you give a rat's red ass what the root causes of migration are? Because I don't. I do not care if other countries are failing their citizens and their citizens want to get out of that country for whatever the root cause might be, and they want to come here, then they will respect our laws, our sovereignty, our border, our rights, and do it legally. And if they can't wait, then find another country to invade and claim asylum there. They're already doing it by going through Mexico to get here. They have found their asylum from the persecutions that they face in their home countries. Whatever those root causes might be. And guess what? I don't care what those root causes might be. That's not our problem. As Americans, we welcome those who need assistance, if from, provided they ask for that assistance legally, properly, and with respect to our sovereignty. When they disrespect it by do the very first act that they commit on American soil is to break American law, I don't want them. That's just the fact of the matter. I don't care what the root causes are. I care about America first. I care about America first because that's where I live. In the same way that you care about your family first, before you care about other families in your neighborhood. If there was a calamity, a catastrophe, an attack, an invasion, what would be the first thing you did? The first thing you did would be to to run to your neighbor's house and protect that family, right? Leaving your own completely on the on on their own, right? Oh no, I'm crazy that you would actually re- protect your family first because that's where you live. Yeah, that's what I thought. Congressman Bob Latta is going to be joining me here in just a few minutes after the bottom of the hour. A little bit later on today, we're going to talk with uh, Mark Kerkorian, top of the next hour. He's the president of uh, CIS, that's Center for Immigration Studies. We're going to talk about the end of Title 42 and the invasion of the United States of America, the surrender of our sovereignty by President Joseph R. Biden. Stay here on Always Right Radio.
reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. So what this bill does is to make sure we get more Border Patrol agents. We need to make sure that we secure it with a with the Border Patrol cause a good barrier that they can keep out 95%. We have to make sure we stop the illegal fentanyl from flowing into this country, which killed over 70,000 Americans last year. We have to make sure that uh, all these little kids are protected. Uh, and we, we've seen children, women being trafficked. And uh, this is all falling in deaf ears from the President of the United States, who says we're going to be in a chaotic situation for a while. Well, Mr. President, we have been in a chaotic situation for a long time. It's time for you to act. And that's why I voted for this legislation. That legislation, of course, is H.R. 2, the Protect Our, our uh, actually, that's not the name of it, Protect Our Borders. I believe it's Secure Our Borders Act. And that was the voice of Congressman Bob Lana, Ohio 5, who joins us now here on AM 1420, the answer to talk about where we go now that Title 42 is officially over and the invasion is officially on. Congressman, good morning. Good to have you, sir. Hey, thanks very much for having me on this morning. Yes, sir, I appreciate it. So you voted for it. 218 others voted for it. How do you respond to 213 Democrats who voted against this particular bill to protect our border and stop an invasion um, literally on the day that uh, Title 42 came to an end? Well, it's pretty hard to understand because, first of all, I think they all need to go down to the border and see what's happening. I've been there three different times, and uh, as you heard on that clip right there, when I've been down on that border and I've talked with our Border Patrol agents and you talk to the Texas uh, Highway Patrol and the Texas Rangers and the, and the Texas National Guard, those people are worn out. They, I mean, they are under great stress, and they're not getting any help. And so what this legislation does is we're listening to them. We're going to get them more help down there, more agents to help uh, protect our border. And at the same time, we're going to listen to what they've been telling us for years. They've been saying, just let us erect barriers and they can stop 95% of the traffic. Now, some people might call it a fence. They call it a barrier. But whatever it is, for them, it'll work. And then, you know, when on the other side, uh, you think about what's happened on uh, fentanyl flowing into this country. You know, the answer that the President of the United States has come up with is, oh, problem solved. We're going to sell Narcan at the corner drugstore. But uh, that's not going to work because when you think of all of the uh, uh, narcotics that flow across that southern border and now fentanyl that killed over 70,000 Americans alone last year, it's coming in from China. The pills are being made in Mexico for a dime, selling it up here online for 30 or $40. So as the DEA said, they're killing Americans for 10 cents. And uh, then you think of the human trafficking. We're, you know, we're enriching the cartels. Uh, and again, we've got to have an orderly process for our immigration in this country. But this, but this president, and he's even met it, said, saying now, well, it's going to be a chaotic situation. He said, well, Mr. President, it is chaos down there for years under his administration. You know, Congressman, it has been more than chaotic. It has been an invasion, literally, for the for the last two and a half years. We have seen the worst illegal immigration into this country in the last two and a half years than we had any have seen in any time in American history. That's reality. It's gotten worse this week. Every day this week, at least ten thousand migrants have been apprehended crossing the border. And the problem, Congressman, as you know, is, you know, apprehension isn't a good thing if it isn't apprehension and return. If it's apprehension and release into the interior of the United States, then what's the point of apprehending them at all? <clears throat> Excuse me. 
Well, so Congressman, well, you're, you're absolutely correct. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. I, I had a little cough there in the middle of that. Um, but but that's the problem here. And what this bill would do is it would end catch and release, among other things, including building the border barrier, as you say. I know nobody likes to use the word wall because they associate it with Donald Trump's great wall. But building that border wall and yes, ending catch and release would be two of the biggest, uh, you know, uh, pieces that we need, I guess, if we really want to stop this invasion, which clearly the Biden administration does not. Well, I want you to go to the airport today, and I want you to try to go through security without an ID, one of the new IDs we have to have on our driver's licenses. And they're letting these people into our country. They don't know who they are. They're giving them envelopes and saying, go where you want, get on a plane. We don't know who you are, but just go. And so we don't know uh, where the, you know, with terrorists, we don't know anything that's going on out there with this administration's done. And you're absolutely right. When you think about 5 million people coming into this country illegally, and, you know, uh, you know, I have the honor every so often to attend U.S. Uh, naturalization ceremonies where people have, you know, gone through the process to become American citizens. They've worked hard to do it. And then they, all they have to do is turn the TV on and say, why do they even bother to do it when all these people flow into this country don't have to do anything? And here they are. And they're getting, and plus, they're getting benefits. So it's, it's, it's a disgrace. And, uh, but we've got to get this under control. And that's what, the, what this legislation that we've passed will do is to get order restored. In their explanation, we're talking with uh, Congressman Bob Latta, Ohio's 5th District Congressional Representative. Um, in explaining the reason why they called this dead on arrival, the Biden administration essentially says that, well, turning people away when they come to other to our country from other countries that are not necessarily treating them well is, is against our nation's values. Um, I'm compassionate, too, Congressman Latta. I, 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 I care about people from other countries, but not at the expense of the people here. We cannot solve the rest of the world's problems by letting the rest of the world export those problems into this country, can we? Well, and that's why you know, we have rules on asylum. And that's saying that, uh, you know, if you're uh, being persecuted and things like that, but it's not for, quote-unquote, economic reasons. And so... You know, this administration, again, uh, turns a blind eye. We know that people are bringing, uh, kids, little kids are being uh, sent back and across the border so people can get in here, quote-unquote, as a family unit. It's not even their child. But the, the Border Patrol has seen the same children over and over and over again. And uh, so, again, this is this is the problem that this administration has done. They've, and, again, being incompetent or inept is not having a policy, and that's pretty much what this administration does on everything. They don't have any policies, and they don't look after the welfare of the American people. Well, part of me wonders whether this is incompetence and ineptness or if this is intentional. And, and again, I, I'm looking at their own words. You know, that's the reason I ask this question because, you know, they're talking about, um, our international obligations. The White House, uh, uh, report or, or release rather on why they would veto this bill. Quote, um, this would cut off nearly all access to humanitarian protections in ways that are inconsistent with our nation's values and our international obligations. That's where I, I really run into just, uh, you know, a, a, a border wall, if you will. Our international right. obligations cannot supersede the needs and the responsibilities to care for the citizens of this country. Well, and again, you know, you have to go back to what, what asylum is. And, you know, you go to your embassy, the embassy down whatever country they're in, they make mm-hmm. their applications, but they wait. You know, they, they go through the process. 
And, you know, at the same time, this administration, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, is enriching the cartels. When it's costing three to four to five thousand dollars a person, and then they have to pay a head tax to get across another drug cartel or whoever cartels along the Rio Grande to get into the United States, they got to pay them. This administration, all it's doing is letting these cartels make billions of dollars a year. And then, of course, they turn that into uh, drugs and everything else, and they send it into this country, killing Americans. So it, you know, it, you know, this is what it comes down to. They uh, do not have an even handle on the situation. You know, the president put the vice president as the quote unquote czar, which is a joke, because uh, I want her to walk that wall with those border patrol agents or be out there at twelve o'clock at night like we were watching these people being uh, uh, brought up from the river and uh, say, okay, you don't see a problem here? So, uh, again, you're right. When you have 5 million people come into this country in this administration, 5 million, and then you also have uh, 10,000 a day entering right now, and it's going to get absolutely worse as this day goes on. Last thing for you on this issue, Congressman Bob Latta. Um, what do you make of the fact that Joe Biden won't even go down there and see his handiwork? He went down one time a few months back, and he saw a sanitized version of the border, uh, far away from where the actual crossings were happening, and just you know took a little photo out there. And nothing to see here, really. Uh, now that Title 42 is ending and that 10,000 a day are crossing, and I think Ted Cruz is down there at Brownsville, Texas. Uh, I played a video, a clip of him earlier, uh, in which he said there's 26,000 of them waiting just south of the Rio Grande, waiting for the green light to head, for, head forward and cross. Joe Biden won't go down there and see that firsthand. Doesn't that tell you a little bit about his real ambition here? Well, you know, and again, he's happy to go to Ireland and uh, run yeah. around Ireland on, on the taxpayer's dime, uh, you know, shaking hands and saying, my ancestors are Irish, but, you know, he, he won't go down just to, to our southern border. And so, you know, that's his priority. His priority is, 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 as you said, there's nothing to see here. Just keep moving. Maybe if I keep ignoring it and nobody listens to anybody bringing it up, it'll just go away. And uh, that's not the way it works. It's just like, uh, you know, at home, if you've got a leaky faucet, it's just going to get worse. And uh, you got to get it fixed. But this president, along with, you know, pretty much everything he does, it's just that uh, there is no answer. And that's, you know, one of the people say, what's the difference between Republicans and Democrats? They say, hey, we recognize there's a problem, and once you recognize there's a problem, you can try to find a solution. They don't even recognize they've got a problem. They just think, well, if we just don't even look at it, it'll go away. But ask these mayors in New York and these other cities where the governor of Texas is sending these people, and now they're all screaming they need help. And it's just like, help. Talk to the mayor of El Paso and those people. They're, you know, they're losing their businesses on Main Street are being crushed because people won't go downtown anymore. And uh, people have got people, you know, in their backyards when they wake up, breaking into their homes. And the president of the United States says there's nothing wrong. It's unbelievable. Well, I don't understand why, you know, they're trying, like, for example, New York City Mayor Eric Adams is is uh, trying to pass the burden onto private property owners. Literally, they sent an email uh, to a select group of private property owners begging them to take these illegal uh, immigrants that are coming up to New York City in because they don't want them to be on the streets and there's no public place for them. So 
rather than going to the private property owners and saying, let's pass the burden on to you, I'd like to know, Congressman Lotta, why Eric Adams and why, you know, the mayors of, of Philadelphia and Chicago and Cleveland and, and literally all of the big cities where this burden is going to be passed on to because they can't all fit in Texas, why aren't they going to the White House en masse? Why don't they get on their own border bus and go down and tell Joe Biden, seal the freaking border. This is crushing all of our cities. Well, you know, they said, uh, you know, what we've been saying is that, uh, you know, every, every state's going to be a border state. And uh, you, when you have 5 million people come into this country illegally, and we don't even know how many hundreds of thousands are going to try to cross there in the next several weeks. So, again, the, uh, the president and these mayors, though, you know, it goes against their narrative. And their narrative is, is that uh, there's, not, there's no problem down in Texas or Arizona, but talk to these people in these border states, and they'll tell you, there's a, there's a disaster, and it's, and it's been a disaster. And now, uh, you know, the news media is finally picking up nationally again because when Title 42 ended, they actually had to go down, some of them, to see what's going on down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, but 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 you know the president won't go with them. Democrats won't go no. with them. They won't go down no. there. It's only going to be people like Cruz and others and yourself. We've been down there three times to report on what's really going uh, going on down there. We're talking to Congressman Bob Lada. Let me pivot, if I can, Congressman, to the debt ceiling. You know, in virtually every other debt ceiling increase that we have seen in this country, it's a it's a familiar tune. Uh, the you know the president wants a clean debt ceiling increase without it, when it's a Democrat president uh, without any uh, control or reduction in spending, and then there's a big fight and a negotiation. It appears as though in this particular case, though, Joe Biden does not want to negotiate. He supposedly sat down with Kevin McCarthy for what McCarthy called a very non-progressive, meaning not progressive politically, but there was no progress. Right, right. And they were supposed to meet again today. And now Biden is postponing today's meeting again. If we go into default for the first time in history, who is going to carry that? Well, again... Yeah, well, and what the president's trying to do is say, well, he said about a week or two back, well, this, this is Congress's issue to take care of. It's Congress's issue. Well, the problem is we talk to the president. No, he's got to be part of this because, again, we have to remember that during his administration, they spent $5 trillion plus without paying for it. And so that's why we saw inflation shoot to 9.1%. That's why we saw interest rates go sky high. That's why we see mortgage rates where they are today, where Americans are having a problem going out getting a mortgage because they're they're too high. And uh, you know, the one thing when I served, I served on the Energy and Commerce Committee, and uh, but years ago I also served on the Budget Committee. And, and the number that I look at, and you, I think you and I have talked about in the past, is that uh, what we're going to pay in interest payments on this debt. And so you, when you're talking about uh, you know going into default. Uh, not ma- meeting our obligations. I want somebody to explain to me, but that probably by the year 2027 or going into 2028, we will be paying a trillion dollars just to pay the interest, not paying down the debt, just to pay the interest on the debt. And it's going to be the third highest after Social Security and Medicare just to pay a trillion dollars just to pay interest on the debt. And so again, they're, they're going into denial. It's just like, no, we got to keep spending because we don't keep spending. We can't buy our friends. And, uh, we're, mm-hmm. and, you know, we said you can't do this. And uh, when we're saying that, look, we're, we need to reduce spending by $4.8 trillion. We need to make sure that you only have about a 1% increase. And, oh, by the way, all that unspent COVID money that, you know, the Democrats insisted, and they, then they without a Republican vote, passed uh, that $1.9 trillion bill, 
that uh, we're saying we want to claw that money back that's not spent. So, you know, and then, oh, and by the way, we're not, we don't think that uh, you took out student loans that taxpayers should subsidize you. So, you know, it's all these things that we want to make sure that, uh, and those are, I think, the top lines out there right now that we could get the Democrats to say that, yeah, we're going to have to look at to, to make sure that we don't default. And unfortunately, you know, for everybody out there that pays their bills, you know, and does things right, they say, well, wh- you know, why should we, uh, you know, say that we're going to just let just let it default? Well, if we default, then all of a sudden, uh, you know, we have, we have foreign creditors right now, seven point three four trillion dollars. That's an, that's an incredible. It's hard to really wrap your your brain around that. Yeah. But you, what you said, Congressman Latta, is very important here. That they, you know, they're trying to pin this on Congress and blame Congress if we go into default. Um, for for weeks, they said, "Bring us a bill. Bring us a bill. Stop talking about it. Right. Bring us a bill." Well, you you did. You know, a bill was passed uh, to 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 bring to Joe Biden uh, to say, "Let's negotiate here. We cannot just continue to spend out of control." All of the reasons you just described, we have to bring it under some kind of control. And they said, "No, no, just no, no, uh, <laughs> no spending cuts." We need a clean debt uh, debt uh, increase bill, uh, and and so I, I I'm just I'm wondering what the American people what kind of a price we're going to pay because of their obstinance here. What kinds of impacts will this have on Main Street Ohioans in the fifth district of Ohio, for example? Well, this this well this what scared me, uh, and this was again when I talk about paying a trillion dollars to pay interest on the debt. Just think when the federal government you know if without even talking about going to default. Just look, we're going to have to go out and borrow more money, which means uh, we're going to say we're going to have to keep increasing the rates on our treasury notes out there to get them attractive for people to buy them. So what happens? People will take their money out of their local bank. And they're going to say, oh, I'm going to get a higher interest rate now by getting a treasury note. And oh, by the way, I don't pay any state tax on that interest. And so what we're going to see if we go into default, we're going to see that happen much sooner we're going to see interest rates just skyrocket. Uh, if people remember Jimmy Carter with 21.5% interest rates and try to go to a bank and get a loan to buy a house or a car or a new washing machine or anything else, you're out of luck because it's going to be very difficult because money's going to become very tight. And uh, the, the markets, you know, your 401ks, they're just going to crash. I mean, the stock market's going to go down. I mean, uh, it's going to be if, if President Biden thinks that the uh, you can easily use the word chaos. Well, he'll 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 be past chaos. We'll be in a massive uh, disaster in this country of biblical proportions that no one has ever seen before. When uh, President Trump was in office, mortgage rates, as an example, uh, were roughly three, three and a half, maybe four percent, depending on your credit. Of course, they're six point three percent now after all the the rate hikes by the Fed. And now, according to one report from Bloomberg. Um, if we go into default, mortgage rates are going to rise to as high as 8.4%. That is going to crush so many middle-class families' mm-hmm. budgets and their ability to, to keep their homes. They're going to default on their own. As the U.S. defaults on its, uh, on its debt, the people are going to default on their payments to their mortgage. They're going to lose their houses because of this. It is inconceivable that the Democrats would be willing to allow that to happen, especially as Biden is running for re-election. Well, and again, you know, you go back to the numbers we saw. Uh, you know, you talk about where uh, mortgage rates were when President Trump left office. You know, in, you know, when you think about where inflation was, we're at about 1.4 percent. Uh, you know, and, and of course, the Fed had probably made a mistake by having pretty much interest rates at zero. You know, I went. I remember once going to the bank and asking him, 
when is it going to be that you're going to charge charging me to take my money? Because, you know, you're getting about zero on your, you know, a bank account. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm very concerned because with the, the whole problem that we're going to have with interest rates, because again, uh, people are going to find out real quick that uh, you, you can't borrow. And let's say, what happens if you need a new roof on your house? You know, you say, well, I'm just gonna, I go to the bank and get get an equity loan or something. They say, nope, can't, you, this is what it's going to cost us. I can't. They say, I can't afford to fix my roof. Right. But uh, but you know, this this is going to go through the entire economy. But uh, but uh, again, uh, what the Democrats see in the president, it's all one thing. Well, we're we just gonna, we're just going to spend more money. So wait a minute, if you're going to spend more money, who's going to get? Who's going to loan it to you? Because if all of a sudden we become a bad credit risk around the world. We owe the Chinese right now eight hundred forty-eight billion dollars that we know of. Well, but at least the, at least the bad credit risks have good people with good credit to uh, to count on because that's the other part of this this insanity from the Biden administration, of course, as you you refer to, is you know taking uh, 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 forcing good credit uh, people with good credit to pay more on their mortgages in order to subsidize people with bad credit. Well, and you know, it's it, it, crazy what we just heard come out again saying that. Uh, if you worked hard, you'd say, you know, I, I'll never forget after uh, my wife, we got married, it will be 37 years ago, and, uh, uh, you know, she had her student loans still because she's five years younger than me, and we had just bought a small house. <laughs> and it's like, it was every, about every six weeks if we ordered a pizza and picked it up, that was a big night out, you know? But uh, today, uh, when you look at Washington, it's just like, no. We're, we're going to make sure that we just keep spending. And if we keep spending, maybe people think that everything's okay. But it's just like we, we've hit it. Uh, when well, Right now, when you're, you're $31.6 in, in debt, they're predicting we'll be $45 trillion in debt in the next 10 years and maybe $150 trillion in debt by the year uh, uh, 2050. Well, you know, today you probably couldn't even do the go get your own pizza and bring it home thing, Congressman, because, uh, you know, Biden's energy policy still have us at around 360 a gallon for gas, so you can't even afford yeah, to go yeah. get the pizza. So, I mean, seriously, there are so many different elements to this, the inflation crisis, uh, uh, obviously the mortgage crisis, and if this de- if we default on this debt, the impact on, uh, on American citizens is going to be devastating, as is Absolutely. the uh, ongoing invasion at our southern border. Congressman Bob Latta, thank you for coming on. Thank you for the good work. Thank you for voting yesterday for the Secure Our Border Act, and we'll we'll, uh, stay in touch with you, sir. Have a great day. Thank you very much. You do the same. Thank you. It's uh, 957 Always Right Radio. We're going to take a break. On the other side of the news, Mark Krikorian, president of the Center for Immigration Studies, is going to give us the real scoop on what's happening at the border and what it's going to mean for all of us. Stay here on Always Right Radio. have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420. The answer.
All right, 10 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock, and hour number two is underway. It is a Friday, the 12th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2023. I said it at the top of the show, and I'll say it again now. It's the first morning in which we no longer have a sovereign nation. It has been surrendered, and last night, the expiration of Title 42, allowed to happen by the Biden administration, uh, just sealed the deal. We no longer have a sovereign nation because we no longer have an actual border, one that secures and protects the people within the United States of America. The Republican Party in the uh, in the uh, in Congress in the U.S. House did its job. They did their job saying, "Let's secure the border." Here's how we do it. And guess what? The Biden administration ignored it. Actually, they didn't ignore it. They actively argued against it and said they would veto it. This is this is impossible, really, to understand. <clears throat> it's impossible to justify, but this is exactly what happened. This is part of yesterday's announcement of the passage of the Secure the Border Act by uh, Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy. Securing the border is one of the top priorities, and it is the priorities of the leaders who are behind me. I do want to thank Mario Diaz-Balart, Tom McClintock, Jim Jordan, Mark Green, Mike McCall, Elise Stefani, and Tom Emmer. I want to give a special thanks to Steve Scalise. Not only did he help pass this bill on the floor, but he has been working for two years to educate the members, leading Codell's to the border and working with our task forces and our committees. And I want to thank every single member of this conference. This is not something easy to do. By passing H.R. 2, House Republicans have shown we're focused on addressing our nation's biggest challenges. By contrast, the White House has two years to plan for the end of Title 42. We all knew the deadline, but the White House produced no plan, missed the deadline, and bumbled into another crisis. And the question really is, Speaker McCarthy, is whether they bumbled into it or whether they did that which they intended. Are they inept, are they incompetent, or are they just evil? Are they intentionally surrendering the sovereignty of this country by way of giving up our border? I'm told we do have uh, our guest now, uh, Mark Krikorian, the president of the Center for Immigration Studies, joining us now to talk about the impact of the end of Title 42 on not just border towns and border states, but all of the whole of the United States of America. Mark, good morning. It's good to have you back on the air here in Cleveland. How are you this morning? Glad to be here. Doing fine. Well, that's good. Um, I started my day with a little bit more uh, of, a, of an edge to me because I am so aggravated by kind of what I just played. Kevin McCarthy was right. They've had two years to prepare for the end of Title 42. It was a Trump-era policy, as we know. It did give us at least a little bit of relief. Lord only knows how bad it would have been with over 5 million illegal border crossings in the two and a half years of the Biden administration. If they didn't have Title 42 in place, how bad would that have been? But they knew it was going to end eventually, and it's here now, and they have absolutely no plan whatsoever. Mark, how uh, characterize the depth of this problem for us, please. Well, it's a huge problem. Um, But I don't know that the administration squandered all of that time and by not planning on what to do because... They can't really. They cannot bring themselves to do what's necessary to fix the border. So, in a sense, you kind of feel for them because, I mean, you know, I'm being facetious, but they they have this responsibility to the border. When it becomes a disaster, it's a it's a political problem for them. And yet, 
they do not believe that they are allowed morally to do the things that are necessary to control the border. They don't think the American people have the right to keep somebody out who wants to move here, unless he's a, you know, a terrorist or a criminal, but most of them aren't. And if you're a regular person who thinks that you want to move to the United States, the people running immigration in this administration do not think that we, you and I and our listeners, have the right to keep that person out. So in a sense, what were they going to do over the past two years of planning for this? Because the kinds of things that are necessary to stop this flow are things that they cannot and will not do. Well, you just answered my question. You're exactly right. You know, is it incompetence or is this intentional? And it's intentional because they feel like this is, you know, I, I declared it in, in our number one of my program, Mark Kikorian, uh, executive director, by the way, I apologize, I said uh, president, but executive director of CIS, the Center for Immigration Studies. I said, we have a globalist in charge of the federal government. Joe Biden and his team, they are globalists. They are not interested in America first. They're interested in the international communities first. And that was laid out in their announcement of a planned veto if this bill, uh, uh, the House Bill 2, was actually brought forth and passed the Senate. Quote, um, this bill cuts off nearly all access to humanitarian protections in ways that are inconsistent with our nation's values and our international obligations. So Mark Kikorian, if, if they're literally saying it out loud. Our obligations are to the international community first, not to the American people. Yeah, and uh, I mean, honestly... That's the way they view this. Even if, even if you don't think, I mean, some of them probably really are anti-American, but most of them aren't. But they're post-American. In other words, and this is what globalist means. They, it's not that they hate America. I mean, I am sure that there are, again, there are some who really do in this administration. But for the most part, they're regular people. They're not monsters. They just don't see that they have a patriotic obligation to their fellow citizens that's greater than the obligation they have to everybody else. They're citizens of the world. And if you're a citizen of the world, immigration limits are in themselves wrong. And so this is not an issue where you can compromise or split the difference. This is a, the, the House passing this bill, which is a, honestly, I mean, it's a good bill. I'm glad they passed it. Common sense um, fixes to loopholes and what have you. But it does highlight how the Republicans, for the most part, are for sovereignty. And the mainstream of the Democratic Party, I don't mean regular voters, but the people driving the bus, are not for sovereignty. And that's kind of a basic division. You see that in Europe as well. You see it in a lot of places. But in our politics, it works out, especially where it becomes clear, especially in the immigration debate. Well, you're 100% right. Um, they don't believe in our sovereignty. They do believe in their obligations to the international community. It was underscored by the uh, remarks of uh, Secretary of State uh, Tony Blinken. We have been working on this for literally day one uh, of this administration. And the most important thing is this. It is getting a shared sense of responsibility across this hemisphere. 
getting a shared sense of responsibility across this hemisphere. Once again, is he the Secretary of State for the hemisphere or for the United States of America? I, I can't, you know, I keep going back to what President Trump said when he was uh, uh, asked about this very early on in his uh, his term. And he said, look, I'm the president. I want to be the president of Pittsburgh, not Paris. My job here is to the people of the United States. My duties, my responsibilities for the people of the United States. This administration just does not believe that. No, they don't. And um, even specifically with regard to what their, you know, what our international obligations are, treaty obligations. Now, if we sign a treaty with somebody, we do, you know, that's we've taken on an obligation. We can change it. We can back out of it. But it's a contract. Well, there is, in fact, a U.N. treaty that governs asylum. And that's what drives a lot of the disaster at the border is asylum. The U.N. treaty says that, and again, that we uh, signed, Senate confirmed, that you can't say an illegal immigrant, just because he's illegal, can't apply for asylum. But that's only true if that person came directly from the country that they say they were being persecuted in. No one who passes through Mexico should even be allowed to apply for asylum because they should have applied for asylum somewhere else, at least in Mexico, if not one of the 15 other countries they passed through before they got there. Well, you know, the way I, uh, I, I kind of made a bit of a metaphor for this, you know, if somebody is invading my home and my family is in grave danger and I flee to my neighbor's home to say, please protect us, we don't have a safe room, we don't have any weapons, we're in grave danger here, and then I realize the house on the other side of that one is actually like a mansion and that one's much nicer. Do I, do, do I take refuge in the first place that can, that, can, that can house me and protect me or do I get to go to the Taj Mahal of, 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 of refuge? And that's what's happening here. They're not seeking asylum. They're seeking entry into the United States because we are, you know, the gold standard, if you will. We are where everybody in this world wants to be. Uh, and to go through Mexico and to say, yeah, that's not good enough to protect me from the persecution I face in my country. I just want to use you as a as a bridge or a conduit into the real place I want to be is just, uh, it's indefensible, isn't it? Absolutely. There's no question about it. I, I mean, that's a good image. I use a different metaphor, but it's the same idea. Asylum is like a life preserver you throw to somebody who's drowning. If you're drowning, you're not looking around for the nicer life preserver. You're grabbing whatever there is to grab. There you and, go. You know, and and I mean, just to put some concrete examples here, for instance, a lot of these people, uh, a lot of the Haitians who have been coming across the border, in fact, almost all of them, are not coming from Haiti. These are people who have lived for years in Brazil or in Chile, they had work permits, they had asylum, their kids were born there and had passports, but they wanted to trade up. One of our people um, was talking to some Haitians. This was a year or two ago in Costa Rica, you know, smuggling. These guys were headed, headed to the north, to our border. And the guy said he was lived in Chile for years. And he said, and my guy said, you know, why'd you move to Chile? And he said, oh, life is a thousand times better in Chile than in Haiti. So our guy says, well, then why are you coming here? And he, and he smiled and he said, life's a million times better in the United States than in Haiti. It's just trading up economically. It has nothing to do with persecution. Yeah, that that's so very well said. And this is kind of an aside. I, I reference this all the time, too. It is amazing to me how many people of ethnic minority status um, – are, are so willing to risk their lives to get into the United States where we are told, and they are told, that black and brown people are persecuted so, uh, you know, so, uh, um, uh, uh, overwhelmingly. 
you know, black and brown people in this country. This is a systemically racist and irredeemably racist country, and yet all of the people of this world who are black or brown uh, and ethnicity, uh, they want to come here anyway. But that's more of an aside. Yeah, but they know it's BS. That's why. You know what I mean? Of course it is. They, uh, it's it's they, leftist they, BS. I mean, it's, it's objectively BS, but all of these people know it's BS. Yeah, and that's the whole reason I bring it up, is to point out that it's BS. Um, I want to play a clip for you from Alejandro Mayorkas, who's in charge of and I can't say that with a straight face, in charge of our the security of our homeland. This is what he said about uh, uh, the end of Title 42. People who arrive at the border without using a lawful pathway will be presumed ineligible for asylum. We are ready to process and swiftly remove people without a legal basis to remain in the U.S., do not believe the lies of smugglers. People who do not use available legal pathways to enter the U.S. now face tougher consequences, including a minimum five-year ban on re-entry and potential criminal prosecution. We are prepared for this transition and will enforce our laws. Mark Krikorian, executive director of the Center for Immigration Studies. How do you respond to that? Yeah, uh, this was a press conference he gave on Wednesday, and this was just one of the howlers in that press conference. I got to say, I laughed out loud. I mean, the man, in one sense, you got to hand it to him because he really has gotten straight-faced lying down to an art. Um, it is absurd. There are one and a half million illegal immigrants in the United States who have been ordered deported, but nobody's looking for them. They're just, they're just living here. And ICE is basically prohibited from looking for them unless they actually, you know, rape somebody. Um, you know, what is, what is he talking about? This is complete bunk. And to say that it's lies and misinformation by smugglers and all that, look, smugglers could dupe people into saying, hey, it's great, the border's open and it's all set. Maybe once you could do that and take their money, but it doesn't turn out that way. But guess what? If, if the smugglers don't deliver the product, then everybody will tell their friends and relatives that it's not working out. What smugglers are telling illegal prospective illegal immigrants is true, which is why people keep coming. Because when somebody crosses the border, he gets, you know, the Border Patrol buses him to wherever they're going and, um, you know, takes their paperwork and then lets him go after a day or two. You know what? They all have cell phones. They call home and they say, hey, it's true. They let me go. Make sure, you know, uh, send my brother-in-law too next week. Uh, the idea that this administration has the intestinal fortitude not to use a uh, anatomical uh, reference to actually enforce the border and be consistent, not just for one day, but be consistent is absurd. They just don't have it in them. They can't do it. Uh, and so, you know, the numbers may go down a little bit. I don't know. It's possible um, that it would be, you know, from the from a mega disaster turned down to a regular super disaster and then become a mega disaster in another month or so. I don't know. But they do not have what it takes to control the border, which is what legally and morally he is entrusted with doing. 
Mark Kerkorian, last question for you. For, well, two quick ones, actually. This one is a simple one. Uh, what is your estimate or what is CIS's estimate of the number of illegals in this country right now? We've, uh, you know, some people don't like this, but we think it probably is at this point, maybe it's 12 million, maybe 13 because of all of these illegal immigrants that have been let in. Mm-hmm. It's not 20 and it's not 30. It's just not. Um, I can, That's a whole other show. But if it were really dramatically off, um, maybe it could be 14. But if it were 20 or 30 million, you'd see it in the birth records, the school records, grocery store statistics. All You can't hide Millions and millions of people. I'm I'm looking at something somewhere in the middle of that only because, you know, we had been told for the last several years, even going back to the Bush years, before Obama even, that it was around 11 million. So if we say it was around 11 million then, and if we just only count the 5 million plus that have been documented in the Biden two and a half years, now we're at 16, right? I mean, it's somewhere. Well, no, there's a couple couple things. One, those 5 million people that crossed the border illegally, they didn't all get let go. Some of them did get sent back. So this administration has probably let in two million, more than two million illegal immigrants. Another million and a half got past the border patrol, probably over the past couple of years. But the other thing that so so that's what I'm saying. Maybe it is 14. I don't know. But the thing that people don't keep in mind is that a lot of people stop being illegal every year. Some people go home. Other people get green cards. Uh, they because. Our legal immigration system is like a permanent rolling amnesty. About one out of four people who get green cards each year used to be an illegal alien. So, you know, it's not the number we talk about of the number of people who are currently illegal aliens, not the number who were ever illegal aliens at one point in the past. You see what I mean? Yeah, I got it. I got it. And then then the the place I was going with that lead-up question was this. Um some people seem to think all we've got to do is elect a Republican, bring Trump back or, or, or a strong anti-illegal immigration president, and, and it'll solve this problem. I don't know how many more are going to come in. It's been five million, like we said, that crossed uh, under the first two and a half years. If this is going to be on steroids now that Title 42 is gone, it, our problem won't be solved by just electing a Republican to say, okay, now we're going to get them all out of there. Because now, or then I should say, the sanctuary cities that are declining to be sanctuary cities now that the migrants are being sent to them will go back to protective mode to stop people from coming, to stop ICE from coming and trying to deport them. Well, that's for sure. I mean, uh, look, if there's a, a president that gets elected who's serious about controlling immigration, he's going to have a lot of work ahead of him. Uh, you know, when Trump left office, he hadn't fixed everything. Even in other words, even that, even then, everything wasn't fixed. Right. Um, and imagine how much more has gotten broken. So, so there's no question that we're in a deep hole, and it's getting deeper. And and a new administration is going to have to first stop digging, but then try to get out of the hole. Yes, there's no question about it. But you got to start somewhere. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, there's no easy answer coming. There's no just change the administration and it's over because the damage that is going to be done here is going to be long lasting, even if somebody does begin, as you say, digging out of that uh, as soon as possible. Uh, Mark McCord, Executive Director, Center for Immigration Studies. They're all over this uh, this dilemma, this this chaos, as Joe Biden had called it at our border. Uh, Thank you so much, Mark, for the work you do, and we'll stay in touch and have you back soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's Mark Kikorian. It's uh, 1030. We took it all the way to news. Apologies for the uh, for the missed break, but we'll come right back uh, and take your calls. The rest of the show, they're yours. 216-901-0945. We'll be back.
on The Answer. Yes, indeed. Welcome back. It's 1037. So, so far today, it's been a you know single-issue show. I don't normally do single-issue shows. We always try to move into a bunch of different areas and have a bunch of different guests on that talk about different things. But, you know, this is, this is pretty extraordinary, what's going on today. And so that's what it's been so far. You are, of course, free to change that. You can change the issue and, uh, and let us know what you want to talk about. It's free for all the rest of the way. Open lines. You decide what you want to talk about at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers is just fine. But, uh, but you know, this is no less than invasion. I'm going to play this clip from Ted Cruz again. <clears throat> Because he does, even well, he's a Texas representative, or a senator, rather, so it's easier for him. But, um, you know, doing what Joe Biden will not do, and that is go down to the border. He was at Brownsville, literally on the border, and um, relaying to everybody what they're seeing. Roger and I are both down here in Brownsville, Texas. We're on the southern border, and there is a full-on invasion that is unfolding. We've seen for two and a half years the worst illegal immigration in history. Six and a half million people crossing illegally. And I'll tell you, as we stand here tonight, hours away from Title 42 expiring, there are 22,000 illegal immigrants camped just south of the Rio Grande preparing to cross over. Every day, this community and the entire southern border is being swamped. It's being overwhelmed. Roger and I met with Border Patrol agents tonight. We met with the chief. We met with the head of the Border Patrol Union. They told us that here, just just in Brownsville, that they are seeing roughly 100 Chinese nationals a day crossing illegally into this country, that they've seen in less than a month 35,000 Venezuelans cross illegally. We, um, first of all, those are just astounding Second of all, I'm glad to hear him use the word invasion because that's what this is. And third of all, we have to hold Mexico to account for this. How are hundreds, if not thousands, of Chinese nationals ending up in Mexico, then ending up at the northern border of Mexico, then ending up in the southern border or the southern area of the United States of America? Well, how are 35,000 Venezuelans getting there? Why does Mexico not feel the need to enforce their own sovereignty? You know, it's kind of funny. Have you ever been to Mexico on vacation? Have you ever gone down and crossed the border at, at a, at a, at a uh, legitimate uh, uh, border crossing checkpoint? You, you can't get through there without them checking your credentials, your identification, maybe searching your vehicle, looking for contraband or anything you're not allowed to, not allowed to bring into Mexico. You want to go to Mexico from the United States of America, it's a chore. But you want to come into Mexico from anywhere else in the world, and it's easy because they are, there are legions of people. We're talking out of the, what what do we have in the world, 195 countries or so? There are around 195 countries, and they have said that Border Patrol has said they have documented border crossers coming across into the United States from 150 of them. People are buying their way into Mexico and then being escorted, usually with cartels and mules working for cartels, into the United States. That's reality. That is an invasion. That is a complete threat to national security. And Joe Biden doesn't give a rip. Not one iota. Because he feels his 
um, responsibility and his uh, uh, I'm, I'm looking for the right word and I'm not finding it right now, but his his allegiance, I'll go with allegiance is to foreign nationals and to foreign countries and to the globalist international community and not to the United States of America. That's reality. All right, 216-901-0945, Let's go to the phones. We're going to talk to Chuck in uh, Cleveland. Hi, Chuck, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Fire away. Hi, Bob. Uh, you're right. It is an invasion. But whatever all your listeners and everybody out there in sound of my voice if you have an American flag, I want you to go outside and turn it upside down and put it back up. Because we are under distress. We are under distress. We are under a state of emergency. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's funny. I saw a flag yesterday, and I did not hear. Did, did you hear anything yesterday that would have um, been a reason to lower the flag to half-staff yesterday? Uh, uh, yes. What, what were um. It was it was because of uh, um, 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 somebody somebody died that was important. Uh, a senator or a congressman just died. And they lowered the flags to half staff for that. I, I I'm yes. not aware. I'm not aware. Um, I, I, I heard. If it, I missed that, I apologize. It might have been I, might have been the, the day before yesterday. I, I was I was somewhere I can't remember where I was yesterday, but I was sitting and looking out the window at a business across the street from wherever the heck I was, and the flag was half staff. And it occurred to me for about a half a second, and then it went away through my ADHD. What in the heck is that for? And then I wondered, I wonder if that was a statement, a political statement being made about the invasion of this country. I know what you're saying is the correct thing to do. You know, the 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 uh, upside down flags it signals a nation in distress, which we certainly are. But I wondered if that half staff was basically to signify the death of the nation. The death of our sovereignty, as I opened up our show. No, with I think so. it was a congressman or senator's death. Okay. Well, I. I but if that's anyway, the case, one one yeah. quick one quick point. Yeah, go ahead. Now, if you illegally cross the border into another country, say like Russia or China or anywhere else, what do they do? They shoot you. Well, they can. Uh, you know, usually, usually they'll apprehend you and lock you up. Uh, you know, and uh, and 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 certainly that is uh, the more humane thing to do. I'm not calling for the shooting of everybody who crosses our border, but I am calling for their apprehension. Yeah, and and their detention yeah. and their quick our and prisons are overflowing as it is. Right. No, but that's what I'm saying. A quick deportation. You know, we can apprehend these people, which we are. That's why we have all these quote unquote apprehensions uh, in in the Biden Biden years. But the problem is, is what are we doing after we apprehend them? The answer is we're releasing them into the interior instead of turning them around and sending yeah. them back the other direction. So if we can apprehend them, and, then we can certainly and, uh, turn them around and and immediately deport them. We don't need hearings. We don't need court cases. We just need to grab them, turn them around, and say, get out, get in line to come into this country legally. Go file your paperwork, do what you've got to do. But we will not uh, allow or but respect. How us. can you? tell the difference between an illegal and one of the gotaways well illegals are gotaways. you can't i know but i mean the gotaways that we never saw yeah, i'm not sure you what know, you're we, asking we I'm never not sure saw they just got away 
Well, I know that, but the, but the point is, if you apprehend if you apprehend people, you don't turn them loose and release them into the country. You turn them around. The gotaways you got to start hunting for, which of course is one of the re- that's another element of all this. And thank you, Chuck, for the call. Uh, it's another element of all of this that people need to understand is that ICE has been essentially handcuffed by the Biden administration. They're not allowed to search for, seek out, and find illegal aliens who are quote unquote gotaways who didn't make asylum claims, but who who just came and fled and went into the interior because and, and you know where they go the first place they go is to the sanctuary cities that have pledged and promised to protect them to not let ice search for them to not let ice use local police in collaboration and coordination with one another the the safe the, the sanctuary cities are the havens for the gotaways which of course is why those are going to be the most in danger communities uh, let's go to uh, Lakewood. Don, Don, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Don. Go ahead, sir. Hello, Bob. A long time no talk to uh, calling from the colorful city of Lakewood. And what I want to discuss is is this. The uh, often, Oftentimes, conservatives use the, the phrase, wake up, uh, aimed at the left, uh, to get them to try to, to realize their irrationality and, and the things that they've been doing. But right now, I'd like to call on everybody and everybody in the Republican Party and the conservative end and tell them to wake up because Republicans are proceeding from a false assumption. This isn't ineptitude. This is a planned and deliberate step-by-step process to bring a critical mass of likely voters into this country and an ironclad method of preserving Democrat power and therefore profit. And not just from cheap labor. Uh, this is uh, no matter how much you show Democrats videos and demand action, the result is that they're going to be laughing at us because this has been this has been a plan since Obama took office. <clears throat> um, in '08, I recall an early speech of his where he abruptly blurted out, "The immigration system is broken," and I'm like, "Well, where did that come from?" So this has been going on for a long, a long time, and it's not rooted in incompetence. This decision uh, is something that has been going on for quite a while, and the sooner Republicans understand this and shift their strategies, uh, the better off we're going to be. And well, that's well, pretty well, much when my you point. say well, before you go, when you say shift their strategies, what does that mean to you? Uh, to me, I'm not sure. I mean, we have to stop denying, uh, stop theorizing that this is just ineptitude, that and acknowledging in a hard way that this is, this is deliberate and has been deliberate. Uh, I'm not sure, Bob. I'm not sure what direction. Well, you're, I agree with you. In. It is it is deliberate, and and I'm going to be blunt. Uh, I'm with Tom Homan. Uh, my strategy shift to to answer my own question to you, uh, Don is 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 full on sealing the border, and quite frankly. I would go beyond sealing the border with barriers and with more patrol and literally turning people around the way Texas. I don't know if you know this, but the Texas National Guard has been down there on the border doing the work and, and literally yes. repelling people as they tried to cross. I would, I would put a wall there in addition to a wall of humanity to turn them around there. But moreover, I think the time has come to halt temporarily six months, a year, I don't know, 
all immigration, including legal immigration, because we have such an overflow and out-of-control illegal immigration problem. And if that is a problem with the rest of the world, saying the United States isn't letting anybody in now legally or illegally, then maybe it will spur their leadership of their countries to get their acts together and not think that the U.S. will solve all of their problems by taking in all of the refugees that they send packing because they uh, uh, they can't provide for their needs there. I, I am just sick and tired of being the world's landing spot for all of the troubles that uh, that exist in these other countries. The United States cannot be the rest of the world's landing spot. So to me, there's got to be a full-on, aggressive, um, militaristic response at the border to stop the illegals, and then I think it's time to literally shut down all immigration to this country until we get a, uh, until we get a handle on, uh, on the illegal problem. And more states should jump on board. You're Absolutely. Right. And, the pro- and thank you for the call, Don. I appreciate you. Uh, and the problem with that, of course, is what does Joe Biden say? What does the American left say? Oh, that's not consistent with our values. That's not consistent with our commitment to the international community. As if the international community is our business. It's not. I said it in the first hour, and I'll say it again. What's the root cause of all of this immigration, illegal and legal, to the United States? The fact that what Donald Trump once said is true here, and he said it inartfully, but it was accurate when he said they're coming from blank hole countries. Remember that word he said? I won't repeat it on the radio because I can't, but he said they're blank hole countries. He was right. And my response to that is, I don't care. I don't care. At least I don't care enough to sacrifice my own people and my own families to solve your problems. That's not our responsibility. The metaphor I used before, I'll use again. If there is a major threat to your neighborhood and your community, whether it be natural disaster or whether it be invasion by foreign army or massive you know, Antifa slash BLM riots, whatever threat comes into your community, what is the first thing you are going to do? Is the first thing you are going to do run to your neighbor's house and make sure those people are safe while the people in your house are not? Are you going to run down the block and make sure they're okay over there too while leaving your own family unprotected? I think we all know the answer to this. Even leftists know the answer to this. No. You're going to protect your own first. You're going to fortify your defenses, hopefully get your Second Amendments out of their gun cases. If you follow my meaning, you are going to protect your people, put them in the interior of your home, and you are going to be on guard to protect your family first. Now, once the threat has passed your house and your family, if you can find a way to help somebody else who might still be in danger, then of course you do it. If you have a heart, but it is not heartless for us to protect our own families first. Well, now let's magnify that on a scale of a billion to our country. Is our obligation to protect the people in Haiti or to protect the people in 
I, I don't care Guatemala or Venezuela or, 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 or England for that matter, a friendly nation of ours. I don't care. Our first obligation has to be not to foreign countries on foreign continents or even on this continent. Our first obligation is to our people, our family. And last I checked, we got enough American homeless that we don't have to import homeless from other countries. We've got enough American poverty that we don't have to import more poverty from other countries. Until we are taking care of everyone here and their needs and their resources. And when I say take care of them, I don't mean in the leftist way, the Marxist or collectivist way where the government is doling things out. I mean giving people here the opportunity to do what the Constitution guarantees us, the opportunity to make their way, the opportunity to grow and to live and to survive and to thrive. Once this country is secure and this country is protected and this country is thriving, if we want to help other people, that's great. But if Americans are going to suffer because we're sending trillions of dollars to blank hole countries who in return are sending their impoverished people and their criminals and their drugs and their, and their traffickers and so forth into the United States, that's a pretty crappy trade for us. I'm going to take care in a calamity of my family in my home first. The United States needs to have the same outlook. We'll be right back. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. You know, President Reagan was right. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. You know what point that is? Our border. That's a point beyond which they must not advance. But the Biden administration sees it a little bit differently. Hour number three is underway now, 10 minutes past 11 o'clock on this Friday. Free for all Friday, 12th morning, 5th month, year of our Lord, 2023. We're going to go right back to the phones, but i got a lot more for you in this hour. Uh, so we're going to go first go to Medina, which is where we find our friend Lisa Woods from Medina County Friends and Neighbors. Hi, Lisa. Hey, hello. Hello. I'm, I'm well, but, you know, this conversation makes me a little sick to my stomach when I start thinking about how many 
illegal aliens are coming over. You know, Mark from uh, Center for Immigration Studies, he yes. said about 12 million. I'm not sure from what point that we have 12 million illegal aliens. And if you imagine every major city in, in Ohio, Columbus, Cleveland, Toledo, Cincinnati, Akron, Canton, every medium, every small, all the people in the rural Imagine everyone being an illegal alien in the state of Ohio. Yeah, we have a little close. over 11 million people. Imagine that. Yeah, that's pretty close, the entire state of Ohio being illegal. That's, that's, a, that's a good way to look at it. And by the way, that's an estimate. He said himself, you know, maybe it is more. But, you know, he's trying to factor in all of the illegal crossings, yes, but also individuals who become legal. They came here illegally, they got their green cards, and now they're legal, so they could cross off the books, if you will. Uh, also, those who uh, who were here illegally, who overstayed their visas, who self-returned after, uh, you know, uh, after a period of time. So there are some people who were here illegally, left, that's what his, he is saying in their study show, uh, so the number doesn't dramatically increase every time we have a new wave of illegals crossing the border, because there are some other circumstances. But be that as it may, even if it is on the low end of 12 or 13 million, as he said, and not the high end of 20 to 25 million, like some at uh, other organizations say, you just gave it great context. That's like the entire state of Ohio being filled with illegal immigrants. Everyone in this state, imagine them being an illegal alien. Yeah. That, that, that's alarming. It's astounding. It really is. Well, another thing I called for is to uh, let, let your listeners know we've got Peter Kersenow coming tomorrow at McFan. Kersenow making his return to Medina. <laughs> That's outstanding. Good for you. Do you know, do you know what, uh, what the topic is, is going to be? Well, I'm sure he's going to hit on Title 42. I'm sure he's going to hit on the, the you know, the House 22 people, you know, 22, um, the gang of um, – but yeah, we we just let him rant. I mean, he knows <laughs> he knows his his topics so well. And of course, when it comes to question and answers, we 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 go all over the map. So yeah. you'll have a hour plus of of Peter tomorrow morning at the Thirsty Cowboy. That's and May's going to be huge. We also have Claire Lopez coming um, on the twenty seventh of May. That's right. I and, remember you saying that a couple of weeks back that you had her schedule. That's fantastic as well. Right. She she had sent an article about the uh, preparing for the coming violence, and uh, that that was alarming. So I asked her if she could come and speak on that, and also um, a few other other things. Um, so important, and and of course it's going to tie into the the folks crossing the border. Yep, I have no doubt about it. Well, that's going to be a great get. A couple of great uh, uh, meetings coming up tomorrow with Peter, and then with Claire in a couple of weeks. What time? Remind everybody what time. 9 a.m., 9 a.m. at the Thirsty Cowboy in Medina, right by 71 and Route 18. Meetings go till about uh, 10.30-ish. And um, hope hope folks can come out and, and see Peter. If they haven't seen him yet, they need to now. Yeah, I totally agree. That'll be a great event <laughs> for everybody. Lisa, thank you so much. Have a great time tomorrow. Thank you. Okay, have a great day, too. Uh, TJ is in Cleveland next. Hey, TJ, fire away. Yep. Uh, hello, Bob. Yes, sir. You know, uh, this border thing, I'm thinking about Biden's trip to Canada a few weeks ago, mm -hmm. and he assured Trudeau that he would secure the northern border to prevent illegals from going into Canada. I mean, this stuff is like crazy. He's opening our borders in the south, but securing the border for Canada, securing the border in the, uh, in the uh, Mideast. The guy's securing borders all over the world except our own. 
how the heck, you know, like it says, can people uh, support this man? And, you know, one thing good about this vote in the Congress, now these senators are going to have to go on record to vote for uh, a border security. And I want to see Sherrod Brown vote against it. When Ohio cities are going to be inundated with all these illegals, and he's going to have to explain to the constituency, uh, constituencies of Ohio why he voted against it. Uh, at least they're going to have to go on record with a vote. And they'll probably go in lockstep and vote against it, but they're going to have to they go will. on yeah they, yeah, they will, and then they're going to have to explain it. And, you know, that's good. That's a, that's a great point, and it's good news because we're talking about, you know, obviously the 2024 election is coming up quickly. Uh, and I think, this is my opinion, I know the radical left believes in everything that <clears throat> the Biden administration p- proposes and pushes when it comes to these kinds of things. But I honestly think that moderate America, uh, people who won't call themselves MAGA or Trump uh, lovers or conservatives, but they're not progressives either. They're the ones who just want to be left alone and just want to have a normal, regular, middle-class life. I think those people are sick and freaking tired of all of it. And I see. I think they're going to look and they're going to see who's heaping this crap upon them, and they're going to see who is trying to to alleviate and stop all of this nonsense. And I think uh, that is going to re- reveal itself in 2024. I could be wrong. Because we saw what happened when we didn't get our red wave uh, in 2022. But I really, truly think that the more of this happens, especially with this invasion coming now and uh, the end of Title uh, 42, and as you say, you know, the, the Dems voting no on this uh, very comprehensive immigration border security bill, they just, the only thing they hate about it, of course, is that it doesn't provide amnesty and a path to citizenship for the 12 million or however many are here right now. But they're going to have to answer to the voters in 2024. And I'll tell you what, I think moderate Americans are getting sick and tired of this you know if they're aware of it bob but because of this media you know it's like the plain dealer they haven't one not even one sentence about what congress discovered with the bidens no coverage at all zero yet they spent like two pages today to talk about trump's uh, trip to uh you know on cnn you know the town hall meeting and you know a trash and that and the problem is with this mainstream media how many people are even aware of this yeah. Yeah. Well, no, you're right. That That's a great point. Um, you know, even conservative media, to be truthful, at least on Wednesday when I carried that live uh, here on this program, no other radio station in Northeast Ohio did. I was told that nobody was carrying it around the state of Ohio either. And Newsmax television only carried the first like 15 minutes of it. That's who I was the feed that I, we were tapped into. And I had to switch over to the Fox feed because Newsmax cut away from it. Then. So um, it, it is pretty astounding to me that you have all of this evidence of Biden family corruption, the, the Biden crime syndicate uh, corruption. And, uh, and, and it was ignored. And, and the reason why is because, well, what we saw later in the day on Wednesday. And that is the FBI refusing to to respond to the subpoena for that document from the whistleblower that would involve Joe Biden in this. People don't care about Hunter Biden, James Biden, Halle Biden, or any of the other Bidens that were listed there. If it doesn't involve Joe directly, they're going to ignore it. And the FBI knows it. The DOJ, which is, of course, run by the executive branch and Joe Biden, they know it. And that's why they refused to uh, to uh, uh, respond to the subpoena by giving that document to Congress. Yeah. And the corruption is only a small part of it. What did Biden give them to get this money? What, what did we give the Chinese? What did we give the Ukrainians, uh, the Romanians? 
What what well there 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 are probably a lot of things we don't know about yet that we gave up uh, in 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 exchange for that. But one thing that I can tell you, and you know this, TJ, because you and I talked about it as it was happening. Our president allowed a Chinese spy balloon to traverse the entire continental United States, slowly going over the entire uh, United States uh, territories, videoing, gathering information and evidence and surveillance of top military sites and more until it finally crossed into the Atlantic, and that's when it was shot down. Um, we wanted to make sure it was a safe place to shoot it down before we shot it down. That's why we couldn't do it. I, I, I'm never going to be convinced... Until, in fact, I don't think there's anything that could convince me that that wasn't payback. That wasn't something that Joe Biden had to surrender to the Chinese in order for uh, a lot of what we just were talking about to happen. And, you know, of course it was payback. And then when the Chinese got mad, it was shot down in the Atlantic. The Biden administration didn't say anything. Yeah, and they I, didn't I, even, I, and they also didn't even go to recover it until like two days later. I mean, I wouldn't have shot that down until I had military all around the area where we knew it was going to come down. And if you were going to do it over the Atlantic, I would have had ships or boats in the area ready to immediately retrieve it so we can find out what, you know, what kind of tech they have and what kind of information they gathered and so forth. And if they did it over land, which is what they should have done, because for crying out loud, there's so much open space not populated in the areas where it was over, they could have shot it down there and I would have had Jeeps ready to go, uh, go and get that. But he didn't do that either. So to me, this is clearly Biden giving the Chinese whatever it was that they bargained for when the when the Chinese, uh, you know, used those shell companies to enrich the Biden family. And that's why we're spending tens, hundreds of billions of dollars in the Ukraine. He's compromised with Zelensky. Yeah, you know, he with is. Corruption. He is. Uh, he totally so is. So we're being sold down the river, left and right. And half this country just won't get their head out of their behinds and realize what's going on. Yeah. No, you're, uh, and, you're and right, it, TJ. To me, it's obvious to anybody, you know, even just connecting the dots, it, it, it's pretty obvious what's going on. Yeah, I think it is, too. And, and TJ, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Okay. Going, going back to the border, um, because of Title 42 and the ongoing invasion now, I need to hit this because I meant to play it yesterday and I didn't, and I've it's already hour number three now and I haven't played it yet today. And you need to hear this. Part of um, the House uh, Bill 2 that was passed yesterday by the House, uh, by the Republicans in the House, all of the Democrats uh, voted against it. H.R. 2, the Secure the Border Act, included... Yes, rebuilding the Biden border or the uh, Trump border wall that Biden uh, put a stop to. That matters a lot, and I'm going to tell you why. Border barriers have been a source of contention for the left ever since Biden. I mean, uh, Trump first came down that escalator and said, "We're going to build a big, beautiful wall at the you know on our southern border," and they went crazy. It's racist, blah blah blah. They also said it was ineffective that the the border walls were not effective. And, of course, they're right. They're not effective if they're not finished. And they weren't finished because they refused to fund any of that. Which is why I want you to hear this. This is three minutes. It's not going to take the rest of your day. But I want you to hear the questioning um, of a Joe Biden nominee to to be the ambassador to Jordan. Um. Her name is Yale Lempert, and she testified before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee last week, on Thursday of last week. She testified 
telling Senator Bill Haggerty of Tennessee that she fully supports Joe Biden's funding requests in the budget to build a border wall. In Jordan, the border wall that he refuses to acknowledge works on the southern border of the United States will work in Jordan. I want you to listen to this. It's three minutes, but it speaks to the true ambitions and intentions of the Biden White House. Again, this is um, this is going to be um, Yale Lempert, the nominee to be the ambassador of Jordan, subject to Senate confirmation. Listen. Chairman, I'd like to stay on the topic of Jordan, if I could, Ms. Lempert. Um, is border security important? Senator, uh, thank you for the question. Uh, more security for Jordan or? Border security. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Yes, Senator, border security is very important. Do you support physical security measures like border walls? In Jordan, Senator? Let's stay on Jordan. Uh, I think I would uh, have to defer to the Jordanians whether they think that uh, such uh, measures Well, we're spending useful. American taxpayer dollars for border security in Jordan. Are you familiar with the president's budget request? I am, sir, in terms of uh, moving forward border security in Jordan, yes. $110 million is requested in the fiscal year 2024 budget to include border security for Jordan. And you, you request that. You support that request. I just want to make this clear. I do support that request. Okay. Um, hasn't the United States government built a giant wall along Jordan's border? With, on the border With between the United Jordan States taxpayer dollars, has the U.S. government built a wall along Jordan's border? The U.S. government has worked with Jordan to enhance uh, its border security in a variety of ways, Senator. Let's be clear. U.S. taxpayer dollars have been deployed in this regard. Is that correct? That is correct. And as uh, our nominee, uh, you'd be responsible for overseeing future funding in this regard. Is that correct? That is correct, Senator, if confirmed. In fact, the omnibus last year provides for at least $150 million for border security in Jordan. It's a large amount of taxpayer dollars. And if you think about the purpose of this, is to provide physical security, to keep people from illegally crossing into Jordan. Isn't that correct? It is to provide physical security uh, to stop uh, drug smugglers, uh, to deal with the threat of uh, Jordan's uh, neighbor, Syria, uh, obviously, the conflict there uh, continues, and it's a it's a dangerous neighborhood. Well, I just to just to underscore that the Biden nominee to be the ambassador of Jordan supports spending U.S. tax dollars to build a border barrier or border wall to stop drug smugglers from coming into Jordan from Syria. U.S. tax dollars to stop drug smugglers from coming from Syria into Jordan. But the Biden administration will not commit any U.S. tax dollars to stop drug smugglers and others from coming into the United States from Mexico. Somebody explain that to me. I would think that if the funding request that's been put in place uh, for for the coming year is the size it is, there must be a belief that this sort of funding is important and that this sort of physical security is effective. Is that correct? In the Jordanian context, uh, I do believe that that is correct, Senator.
Well, you've been very clear to talk about this in the Jordanian context. I just think it's an important lesson for us to learn as Americans that we're spending United States taxpayer dollars to support border security in a country that we're trying to build stronger relations with. Uh, I think we ought to be learning a lesson ourselves because there's not a penny in the president's budget to support our own border security here. That's Senator Bill Haggerty from Tennessee, to which I reply, You needed to hear that. You needed to know that. If you didn't, we'll be back right after this. Giving you reason and the reason. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. It's 1134. Always Right Radio wrapping up our final segment of the hour. In fact, that's our final segment of this broadcast. And now that I think about it, it's our last segment of the entire week. It's gone very, very fast. Uh, a lot of very important stuff we've covered. If you missed any interviews today or anything we've done during this past week, we've had some beauties. We had um, Judge Jeanine Pirro on yesterday. We had uh, Brian Stewart and Gary Click on on the huge news out of Columbus. Uh, of course, had Peter Kersenow. We spoke with Bob Lada. Uh, we just talked with Mark Kokori. And it's been a very, very Jim, Jim Jordan earlier this week. If you missed any of those interviews and you're uh, just behind on some of the news that we're breaking and that we're covering and we're analyzing for you, you can always catch up at whkradio.com on the podcast page. Just click the uh, Bob France uh, uh, page uh, for Always Right Radio, and uh, they're all spelled out for you. You can easily find what you're looking for. Dan is in uh, Middleburg. Dan, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Fire away. Good morning. I've talked to you the last couple times in the last week or two about Mm -hmm. this, and I'm listening to your show today, and... Uh, you really touched upon it uh, at the executive branch level, for instance, you know, with the globalists controlling uh, the executive branch, Joe Biden, okay, yeah. and, and all the problems we're having. Mm-hmm. And I can't emphasize to you, I know like your daughter went to Hillsdale College, correct? She graduates tomorrow! Right. Well, tomorrow. good for her. Well, I can't believe it. Hillsdale emphasizes, and I'm a constitutionalist, original constitutionalist, and the problem with our whole country, I'm frustrated as you are, but it's how we elect uh, congressmen, mainly senators, the the, the uh, direct voting instead of being a, appointed, and the Electoral College, um, relating to Joe Biden and mm-hmm. his whole administration, which are globalists, like you're indicating in your commentary today. I'm, try- right. I'm trying to link this for you okay. to understand our problem is really, this, is, this has been gradual, Bob, but uh, the globalists have infiltrated all of these branches, and that's why, whether you talk at the state level, Ohio, with the 22 that all went to the Democrats, to me, these are globalists collecting money somehow, some way, okay? Contributions, okay? Mm-hmm. And we can't get anything done. We're stymied, and me and you are sitting here watching people cross the border. It wouldn't happen if it was done the right way, where they were the right people were appointed. For instance, in Ohio, if you had... 16 Jim Jordans appointing two senators in Ohio, you wouldn't have senators trying to block, block all the, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, like this latest, okay, to open up, to close the border, okay? And Joe Biden would never be president because the Electoral College shouldn't be a, uh, you, you can't have um, uh, uh, 
political parties picking who's going to run. They should be nominated by the Jim Jordans. And so the end result would be the worst that could happen is you would have the, the least of two goods instead of the worst of two evils. And there we sit where me and you can't do anything right now except complain about it. And they got us by the butt. Do you understand well, what I'm trying to well, tell you? Yeah, I do, but you know, we always talk about it from this angle rather than the opposite angle, which has to be covered as well. You know, who, who okay. is the who's the antithesis of, of Jim Jordan? You know, who 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 would be the uh, the Democrats' version of Jim Jordan on their side? No, what I'm getting that down at Jim Jordan level is Americans. Uh, I'm even guilty of it. I don't anal- We don't analyze at the, at that House level who who the Jim Jordan's going to be in all 16 districts. Everybody would pay attention more. But they don't pay attention to America. they got other things to do. You know. Well, well and, I understand, but you said if we have 16 Jim Jordans, they would pick the senators, then we would have better, a better Senate. Higher and so quality, and so forth. correct. You, Ex- you, but, but, but my point, though, is you, know, you, you look in a blue state where there, or a purple state where there is at least one Republican senator, if you let their blue, their overwhelmingly blue House members choose the senators, they're going to choose two blue senators, and the people won't even get a chance to get the one red one. So, but you so wouldn't have, that's the other in, side. In the blue state, may yeah. not be blue like we're talking blue. They'd be regular kind of people, not globalists. That's my point. You just made the point. That they end up being blue. Those are the globalists I'm talking about. You like like. For instance, the last bill you talked about, the House. We have 213 people who voted against closing the border. Border security, yep. Well, those are the globalists. Those people are nuts. Right. I'm sorry but, to yell, but, you know. No, no, but, but I mean, but what, what are you saying? Those are, those are House members. Those are the elected representatives of the people in those states. If, so uh, if whatever district they're in, those people, the 213, they wouldn't be getting in there. Because people be paying more close attention, but the American voters are getting overwhelmed at the ballot box with mail-in balloting, and they can get these people in, get their own people in. That's what uh, uh, Fernice was talking about from the mafia last week. It's run like a mafia, and slowly but surely they're getting their people in and keeping me and you out. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Okay. And the well, only way you get around that is to go I, back to I the think... original Constitution. Which, which means what, with respect to the House of Representatives? House of Representatives would be just people voting. Uh, they'd be paying attention more to who the people they're voting for. You keep saying that, but what is it that's going to make people pay attention more? You keep saying that same thing. You keep saying the people will pay more attention if what? Finish that. Because, because who's going to be appointed to be a senator and and... That same person is going to be nominating somebody in the Electoral College for president. It isn't going to be a Joe Biden. There's no way in heaven and earth that a a Jim Jordan kind of guy or a Bob Franz guy is going to vote for, uh, you know, pick a a person that's going to uh, nominate Joe Biden. What makes you think the outcome in any one of these House races would be different, though? What makes you think that the globalists are going to still support globalists? uh, I'll tell you why. Hold on. Globalist members of Congress, knowing that those globalist members of the House will be then picking the senators, and as you say, voting in the Electoral College for the the presidency. I mean, what makes you think it isn't going to be the same exact outcome as that it is now? Because if you read the Federalist Papers, they always talk about over and over direct 
indirect bribery, okay? And they didn't, when they elected originally, chose uh, 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 the House of Representatives, they didn't go out and campaign. They, they weren't allowed to take contributions from people. Right now, in, for instance, Ohio, they collect money or are allowed to take money from George Soros, Soros people from all over the goddamn world. <laughs> You know, uh, well, let, let's watch. That's, yeah, we so, got to watch that. We got to watch sorry the, about the that. language. Yeah, I'm yeah. just frustrated. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, but, if you say God, you're okay. Taking a contribution, Bob, is an <laughs> okay. indirect bribe. You're you're giving somebody, not putting it in his pocket, but giving it to a campaign. But they're assuming that I want to get something done. Nobody does nothing. You know. Yeah. For no, I, 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 I thank you for the call. I appreciate it, okay. Dan, very much. Thank okay. you. Uh, yeah, and by the way, we can say God, and it's okay, and you can say damn, and it's okay. Don't say them together. That's not okay. Um, so, so again, and, and, and I think we're, we're somewhat in the same neighborhood here in terms of how we feel about this. I am not convinced in any way, shape, or form that if we told, uh, you know, if we, if we went back to the original, uh, intention as he is reading it of the Constitution to let the representatives select the senators, I, I am not convinced that it would change anything because the representatives, you say, well, the people, if they know that it's more than just the congressional vote on the House side, but they're also going to be choosing the senators on the Senate side, they'll be more careful in who they vote for. I don't think that's that's reality. I think the same people who voted for Jade or for for uh, uh, for Jim Jordan to be in the House uh, would vote for him if he was picking a senator for Ohio too, or if he had one of the votes to pick a senator for Ohio too. The people who vote for uh, you know the Adam Kinzingers of the world and the the Maxine Waters of the world, they're going to vote for the same people if they know they're picking the Senate because they're all like you say globalists and they're all on the same side. So um, I do understand the point that you're making. I just don't think it's going to change anything. I don't think that the quote unquote awareness is going to be so much higher that people realize the stakes are much higher. They'll be much more careful. I still think you're going to have the same votes being bought, the same corporations, the same foreign interests, perhaps, you know, that are influencing the votes of these individuals. I think that's all still going to happen. The best we can do as voters is choose the people that we think are going to cast the right votes based on what we want them to do in their committees, in their uh, chamber of the Congress and not worry about the other side, and we've got to vote for our senators in the exact same way. But I do see your point about it sure would be nice to think that the representation of the state of, state Pennsylvania would not have chosen John Fetterman to serve in the Senate the way the voters of Pennsylvania did. If we use that example, I'd say you're dead on. All right, that's all the time we've got. Thanks to our guests today. Thanks to our team. Josh was pretty much running the show by himself today, and thanks to you for listening. I want you to have a great weekend. Be well, be safe, try to stay free. We'll see you Monday. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.